Blog Talk Radio. Dirty talk of any kind might upset you. This is not the show for you. Desperate Housewitch is brought to you by the incredibly wicked one herself, the amazing Dorothy Morrison. Please check out wickedwitchstudios.com for all of your witching needs. And without further ado, he's bad, he's back, he's beautiful. The pagan pundit himself, the amazing Talison Govannon. Hello, my friend. Hey, 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 how's everybody out there doing in Internet land? Back after a bit of a hiatus uh, and ready to get yeah. into the swing of things, man. Yes, we need to get swinging. What has been going on with your writing, my friend? Let's go to that first. Well, you know what? We're still in the throes of moving. We now uh, are going to be uh, probably a week from Monday moving into our new house when I can finally get all the projects unstuck. Uh, it's been a lot. Anybody hey. who's ever had a house worked on, they'll tell you the incredible ridiculousness of trying to get things done. And we have been going through it, but we are finally getting moved into the house. Toaster <laughs> season started. I've already went to. I, I was in North and South Carolina in the same day earlier this year because I went out to Heroines to ride Fury three two five, and uh, so. We've got everything going on, but let me tell you something. One thing that's going to be launching uh, very soon after this move, I am also getting into Kindle Vela. Uh, that's for people who don't know, Kindle Vela is a service where you can read uh, serialized stories that are continuing stories. The average length of them are around 30 to 35 chapters, but they can keep going on and on and on. And you basically get the first three chapters for free and then pay per episode after that. And it's a great thing for writers. It's a great thing for people who are really busy and don't necessarily have time to commit to an entire book, but they like a nice serialized story, something you can read on your lunch break or something like that, or if you take the bus, your morning commute, that kind of thing. And I'm going to be getting into that. I'm going to be doing a little bit of a deep background story. See, one thing that happens when you write these big universe stories is you have a lot of backstory that you can't put into your main book because they would just weigh things down. It's a lot of information you don't need to tell the main story. Well, I'm going to use Kindle Vela as a way of deepening this universe and giving a lot more background by having stories that are only referenced in the main novels are going to get fleshed out and actually told in the Kindle Vela series. Uh, the first one that's going to go up is called Welcome to Paranormal Acres, about a middle-aged woman who winds up getting sucked into the crazy a world of a vampire-owned amusement park, uh, and it's going to go from there. So that's also going to be coming out very, very soon. Awesome. Well, that sounds like you're, you're certainly busier than usual, 
But then again, you're always, <laughs> always unbelievable. Always but congratulations on finally getting the move uh, started and, and situated. I'm, I'm sure you're relieved at this point. It's, uh, it's been a lot of work, and it's been a lot of time. I'm, I'm glad you've got forward motion on that. Yeah, well, we got we got seven and a half acres. Six of it are wooded, waiting for us there. So, we definitely want to get there wow. and lay some trails in the woods. We're going to be having our druid friends come out to raise a nematon, and we're going to be having a lot of fun. Yeah, that sounds fantastic. So, okay, let, let's let's just get into it. Talk to me. Let's dive into this. Let's dive in. Let's let's start with the most immediate thing right now, which is the debt ceiling. Let's let's. Right. Try to explain to folks what that's about because it seems like every few months we're talking about the debt ceiling again, and I don't know if everybody understands what the debt ceiling is and why it needs to keep being raised. Oh, yeah. Well, see, the, the debt ceiling is very it, – it's an anachronism of back at the time when running a deficit wasn't an everyday thing. Uh, there are large chunks of, of the U.S. history where we really didn't have much of a debt as a country. Uh, that's something that's really become part of the economic landscape since the industrial age or so. There was uh, plenty of government debt racked up during the Civil War, uh, but that was actually fairly easy to deal with compared to modern day. Uh, and basically, it's kind of ridiculous that it's become like this, because what happens is, is that Congress puts together spending bills that says the government shall spend X amount of money on these things, X amount for this thing, X amount for that thing, and this is the law. Once they pass this law, the government has to spend X amount of money on whatever it is you're talking about. So if you have a thing in a budget that says that the government's going to spend $10 billion to, uh, you know, help farmers pay off debt, then you're going to, the government has to spend $10 billion dedicated to helping farmers get off debt. It's very simple. It's the way the entire government's run. It's the way that everything's paid for from, uh, you know, from uh, medical insurance, Medicare, Medicaid, uh, you know, the Army, FBI, the basic mechanics of government. But the thing is, right. is that when you're running a deficit, uh, there's a ceiling to how much debt that the U.S. government can have. And when you hit that, basically the government isn't allowed to borrow any more money to cover their debt. Uh, and so uh, basically what this means is, okay, to simplify things a lot, um, the idea of not raising the debt ceiling is akin to you at home – with your finances, and you get a new credit card, and you go out and you and you max that card out. You get a thousand dollar credit card, and you max it out. You just charge a thousand dollars on that. And then when you get the bill in the mail, right. you go, you know what? It wasn't really responsible for me to spend this money, so I'm not going to pay this bill. That doesn't work that way. If that happens, your debt, your debt. Uh, your your credit score is going to go in the toilet. Uh, you could face all yeah. kinds of actions regarding the debt. It's just you can't do that or else your credit gets blown. Well, let me tell you something. The U.S. 
currency is not based on gold. It's not based on silver. It's based on the fact that everybody in the world recognizes that an American dollar is an American dollar. So pretty much the United States reputation is the only thing that's keeping our currency afloat. If we pulled that where we're like, you know, I know we passed the law saying we have to spend this money, but we're not going to give the government the ability to pay that bill and thus default on the, the debt, that would basically upend the entire world economy and make the, the, uh, the Great uh, Depression uh, look like a walk yeah. in the park. We've never seen the kind of catastrophe that would happen from the U.S. defaulting on a debt because so much debt in the world is held not only by creditors against the U.S., but there's large amounts of the world economy that are based on the U.S. dollar and the fact that it's so stable. So the idea of not raising the debt ceiling is insane. Um, The only reason Republicans started doing this back, uh, they threatened it during Bill Clinton. They really brought it out during Barack Obama because this was around the era that the Republicans realized that they couldn't argue their ideas uh, in a public forum to try to get them across because their ideas were deeply unpopular. So instead they decided to ransom the entire world economy saying, give us what we want or we're going to tank everything. And that's how they'll get what they want instead of winning people over. Um, And it's something they've done. The real danger about this this time is that when they were threatening to default under Obama, Obama could look at them and uh, he learned this hard. Uh, The first time he did a very bad deal with them and he hated it and it wound up fucking with uh, his government for years. When they tried that again in the second term, Obama's like, I dare you to. And nobody in Congress at the time was actually going to do it. Uh, The fucking crew of crazy whack jobs that are in the Republican caucus right now, there are some of them who are saying that they needed to tank the world economy because it's the only prayer they have of winning an election next year. Uh, Because if everything goes to hell, maybe they'll blame the Democrats or something. But it's completely insane. Right. There's really no reason why they should have to uh, physically raise the debt ceiling. I actually think that there are ways around where Joe Biden could just say that to discharge my my oath of office to uh, execute the laws of this country, and this was a law passed by Congress saying I have to spend the money, I'm going to get the money and spend it anyway, and you can try to argue with me yeah. and saying that I can't. Um, but – you know, Joe actually did something brilliant. And I got to tell you guys something this year. Joe Biden just shored up one of the most important demographics that we're going to have in next year's presidential election um, with the really? whole debt ceiling negotiation. Because a lot of people are saying okay. he shouldn't negotiate with McCarthy. Okay. And right. I was one of them originally, but now I see what kind of Brilliant fucking move. First of all, is the debt ceiling deal, whenever you have to do a deal to do something that should be a basic function of government, it's going to suck. Because if you have to give up anything, it's too much. But in the long game, in the long game goal of keeping these whack jobs out of real power, let's keep them in the house where they can make, you know, make Kevin McCarthy's ulcer Dr. Rich later on. Uh, probably this month. Uh, we, we can keep uh-huh. them there for now and try to boot them out of government entirely. And the long-range goal, Joe Biden going into negotiations and negotiating a deal where it had stuff that both Republicans and Democrats didn't like, 
was a brilliant masterstroke for next year's election. Because one of the groups of people that Joe Biden is going to depend on are the people who simply want a grown-up in office. And the fact that you and I know that trying to negotiate with Republicans on things that are substantive is useless because it's like playing chess against the pigeon. They're going to knock the pieces over, shit on the board and act like they want it. But there's still a certain segment of the American populace that wants someone who can reach across the aisle. They want someone who can work with the other side to govern. And you can bet that every single commercial for Joe Biden that's aired during these things, and they also happen to be during the programs where you're selling the medicated catheters, because let's face it, these voters skew on the older side. But every Joe Biden ad is going to say that Joe was the one who could reach across the aisle and save the country from economic catastrophe that was threatened by radical extremists in the other side. And that right there is going to be worth five points. I'm serious, especially amongst uh, mushy independents, uh, mushy middle independents. Uh, that's going to be worth five points. And in the kind of elections we've had with the number of outright racists and fascists who motivate their knuckle-dragging inbred followers to go and vote for Donnie, uh, five points is massive. Five points is the entire fucking election. I mean, remember when Donald Trump eked out an electoral college anomaly in 2016, he did so by less than a half a point in just about every state that was important to him. So the debt ceiling is ridiculous. Uh, we don't have to worry about it for two years, though. Part of the deal is that the debt ceiling is suspended for two whole years, which means all the way through the next election, the Republicans can't pull this out to try to sow chaos during the election, uh, which is important because you never know how chaos and proposed chaos is going to play during elections. It should go against the agents of chaos. It doesn't always. But this is not a tool that they're going to have in their arsenal anymore. They're not going to be able to threaten the world economy. They're not going to be able to threaten to burn it all down if they don't get what they want. The next time this debt ceiling of muckety-muck is going to come up, we're going to have a Congress that has no Republicans in charge. And I am perfectly comfortable making that statement, by the way. Um, so, Joe, you know, yeah, there's, there's a couple of things in there that aren't very good pills yeah. to swallow, freezing too much spending, uh, spending on the wrong things, but this is a temporary move, and it's a brilliant political strategy against a side that's willing to do anything, uh, including cheat to win. So we can't afford to be purists right now, folks. Uh, this is a deal that could have been way worse, as Barack Obama can tell you from negotiating with, with John Boehner during his first term. Uh, it could have been way worse. Uh, but this is, in yeah. Joe Biden's own language, a big fucking deal, especially for the Biden campaign. Agreed. Agreed. And if this is, I mean, I can't do purity because no one's doing purity. If if we no. had the kind of, you know, people that we used to have in the Republican Party, a la John McCain, uh, who is no longer with us, you know, it, Bob it might have been Bob Dole. Absolutely. I mean, Republicans where it was about ideas and it wasn't 
politics of complete destruction. Um, yeah, we don't have that kind of Republican Party anymore. I'm not saying that those Republicans are completely extinct. I'm just going to say that they are few and far between, and they're not speaking right now because the other voices in their party are much louder. So uh, there's you know really not much party left for that either. Yeah, there's, there's not, not much so? party left. You think it's pretty much over? Oh, interesting. Yeah, I, interesting. Uh, the, you know, the maggots have control of the Republican Party. That much is clear. The fact that Republicans, for a minute, were thinking that meatball Ron DeSantis was going to be their anti-Trump savior, and I'm just like, oh, God. Uh-huh. You know, it's like, I, I knew that that was a pipe dream starting out. The very things that the maggot base loves about Trump is the very things that DeSantis is really bad at. I mean, DeSantis can't sound tough without sounding whiny. And for your and for your omega tucks who like to pretend they're alpha males, they want you to sound uh-huh. commanding, even if you're a complete invertebrate. Um, so I knew that he was going to crash and burn, and he is still spectacularly crashing and burning. The fact that Ron DeSantis has soaked up so much donor money only to crash and burn is yeah. going to make the big money donors ten times more hesitant to give money to anybody with an R next to their name. They're not necessarily going to give to Democrats, but there's a lot of them who are going to sit out the 2024 race on every level because the lunatics have taken control of the asylum, because this is, you know, the Republican Party is no longer the party of John McCain and Bob Dole. It is the party of Marjorie right. Taylor Greene and Matt and And then you have Lauren Boebert, who... Uh, Rumors say that her marriage split up because she fucked Ted Cruz. And I'm sorry, anybody of any stripe desperate enough to fuck Ted Cruz is just a desperate-ass motherfucker in a party, okay? Um, and that is not a joke, by the way. That's the rumor going around Washington. Uh, her her husband really? ripping his dick out of teenagers wasn't enough to make her divorce him, but getting some of that sweet Ted Cruz peen was enough to make her move on. But anyway. Um, Ew. Ew. <laughs> Yeah. These are who we're dealing with here, people. We are not dealing with Baltimore. We are not dealing with Bellatrix Lestrange. We're not even dealing with Dr. Evil. We're dealing with people who are willing to do a booty call with Ted Cruz in the back of the set. Okay? These are the people. That is why, before we got on, I told Raina that I am declaring myself emancipated from being a nervous fucking wreck as a liberal. The way I see my fellow progressive liberals going around, it's really sad. Y- y'all are acting like it's Harry Potter land, and if you say the name Voldemort, he's going to know where you are somehow and somehow ruin everything. It's like, you know, it's like I'll be yeah. damned if I spent most of my life studying the mystical and the occult arts only to be spooked by, you know, somebody who's doing the equivalent of like, don't say the word rain, you could make it rain, off you. Um, but let's face it, um, the best thing for Joe Biden is for Donald Trump to be the nominee. The guy's a fucking loser. Yeah, I know that everybody was, protecting, was predicting he was going to lose in 2016. And the thing is, the only reason that he didn't completely lose was because of an anomaly 
of college, an anomaly, by the way, folks, that is forever shut off to him again. The very states that they wanted to try to massage, that they wanted to get their maggots into to try to steal an election to make sure that that uh, Orange Twitler could eke out another um, another electoral college uh, anomaly, those states like Michigan and Wisconsin and Arizona, they're gone. The, the maggots did not get to control those states. Michigan's entirely in Democrat control, and it will be for the next election. So Donald Trump is a massive fucking loser. He lost the popular vote in 2016. He led his party to historic losses in the 20, uh, 2018 midterms. He lost the presidency and lost every winnable race in 2020. His, you know, what should have been a big favorable year for Republicans last year turned into an embarrassment for the party with Donald Trump at the helm. Um, let me tell you something. You know, you really want to make uh, any conservative relatives uh, see red. Just say that Donald Trump accomplished one thing that Barack Obama and Hillary Clinton failed to do. And what was that? Lose to Joe Biden. I'm serious. Barack beat Joe Biden. Hillary beat Joe Biden. Donald Trump couldn't fucking beat Joe Biden. And I don't care when the Republicans start going on, oh, look at Joe Biden, look at him doddering, look at him wandering. Look. I don't care. You're not lost to that. And the more pathetic you make him look, the more pathetic you make Trump, because no matter how pathetic you think Joe Biden is, he's actually a very smart dude, as Fox showed. He yeah. still beats that stupid-ass pumpkin-faced motherfucker. And so, you know, it's like, listen, every time Donald Trump is the subject in the Republican Party, they lose. Every time. Yeah. And every Republican who's it's running are, is fucking kissing the, the ass of Donald Trump. They will not come out and say that he lost the 2020 election. They will not come out and, and say about how much he's lied. They will not attack him directly. They'll just try to say, well, you know, we just need someone new. You know, the maggot base, they don't want someone new. They want their, right. you know, they want, they want their My Little Pony Fuhrer, and that's all there is to yeah. it. And it's like, it's like, oh, my God, for Trump to be the front runner, I mean, I'm just like, I'm sorry. If I were working for Joe Biden, I would start angling for my job in the second term now. Okay, because, you know, if, if you think you're going to do something major to help this guy get elected more than what Donald Trump's already done, then you better start angling for your job now because if you wait too long, you're going to find somebody else's maneuvered and, and you're going to be left being postmaster or something like that. But I'm serious because, oh, my God, the legal jeopardy for Donald Trump. People have got to realize that even the Republicans who like Donald Trump or the ones who don't mind his stupidity enough to vote for him again, these people, it's really hard to maintain your status as a winner when you keep losing in court. Donald Trump has historically lost almost every case he's brought in court over the past few years. And he is going yeah. to get convicted in New York State uh, of the hush money payments because that is a paper case. And Paper cases are the easiest to win and the hardest to defend against, uh, easiest to win for a prosecutor. But that's, that's small potatoes. 
um, the state of Georgia is going to indict Donald Trump and Rudolph Giuliani and possibly Mark Meadows uh, sometime between July and the second week of August, somewhere between July 1st and the second week of August, Georgia is going to indict Trump on election fraud um, and uh, attempting to defraud, you know, commit election fraud by defrauding election and encouraging other people to commit election fraud. And it's probably going to be prosecuted under RICO statutes. But the biggest, and the, but those are the small potatoes. Because Donald Trump is going to be prosecuted federally for the document scandal. Because of what's come out in the last Mm -hmm. few days, he is going to get prosecuted for these classified documents. And they're already starting to make announcements. Mike Pence, no charges. In the next couple days, they're going to say, Joe Biden, no charges, because these were honest mistakes. These are the shit that happened after every administration. We just never hear about it. But the Donald Trump stuff, the fact that you've got yeah. employees testifying that he instructed them to move the boxes with the classified stuff in it. <laughs> uh-huh. They have it on video. And now they have him on tape. Now they have him on tape waving a classified document around, saying that it's still classified even though it's 2021 and he no longer has even the slightest pretend power to magically declassify it in his brain. Um He's waving it around saying, I wish I could show this to you, but it's classified. Having the paper out in the presence of people without clearance is a felony. Mm -hmm. Even if they can't see it, even if all they see is the back of the page, having it out in the room with somebody not cleared to see it is a felony. And the tape exists because Donald Trump was being interviewed by the people writing the Mark Meadows autobiography. Uh, autobiography in quotes, uh, the Ghost Writers for uh-huh. Mark Meadows. Uh, incredible book too, uh, by the way. It uh, just slightly outsold uh, helping yourself with positive affirmations on Amazon at one point. Uh, I'm serious. The thing sold like twelve thousand copies. It was an embarrassment. They didn't even get their print run cost back. Um, <laughs> but this Meadows biography. He, Trump was being interviewed for it, and he insisted on having every interview with a writer recorded because he was afraid they were going to misquote him. But now, because he insisted that this tape be made, it's now in the hands of prosecutors. And this, every single person, even the most conservative, let's not jump to conclusions, there's a lot of ways that they can argue this in federal court, even those guys are saying, oh, shit, there's a tape over Singapore going to be done. Every one of his old lawyers is like, oh, my God, there's a tape of that? I mean, literally. They're just like thinking, oh, my God, what else is there a tape of? In the words of James Comey, Lordy, there are tapes. And this is wow. this is going to be – he was found in possession of various times of over 300 classified documents. And because of this case, he could wind up facing a 15-year charge for each document. Wow. Period. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. And this is going to happen because the the intelligence community is very serious about protecting classified documents. They are seriously serious about it. And every single defense that the Trump lawyers have floated 
for one thing, floating your defense ideas on Fox News, it's really stupid. I know they're trying to crowdsource to see if there's any more competent right. lawyers out there willing to say, you guys are stupid, don't do this. But also, talk about telegraphing every move, but every single defense they could have thought of has evaporated mm-hmm. because of Donald Trump. What he says on video, what he says on television, what he says in the recordings that he insisted be made. Every single defense has already been argued against. You could literally just play Donald Trump's media and this tape uh, for the last five months, and there's not a lot of defenses you can have against it. And like I said, this is federal. Um, so, guys, look, he's going to start losing, losing, losing. He already lost one defamation case. Um, he's going right. to get hauled in for more defamation money because he keeps defaming the person that he was found guilty of defaming. So now he's going from uh, $5 million to uh, up to $30 million could be the penalty for this. And if he does it again, the judge could rule him in contempt and order him seized. Uh, and you know he's not going to stop. That's the hell that the guy, just he has no filter. And the very thing that his fans love about him, it's yep. serious. I'm just like, oh, my God. I, I feel like it's Christmas morning and I'm five years old. But instead of Santa, it was Santa Jedi. And Yoda came down the chimney and left me every fucking Star Wars toy I had ever wanted or had ever want in my fucking life. And that's just when I turn on Morning Joe and I hear about what Trump's done now. Um, it's incredible going to be on the ballot next year and when Trump's only figuratively on the ballot Republicans do bad when he's actually on the ballot they do really bad and he's going to be on the ballot next year facing probably somewhere in the neighborhood of 30 to 60 separate counts in various indictments without the federal I have no idea how many of the documents they're going to charge him for Um, and this is all going to be like you know, hey, independents, yeah, I know you guys hate Democrats and you're actually kind of racist anyway, but you really think this guy's going to win? You really want to hook your star to this guy? And independents are more and more saying, oh, fuck no. And, again, you know, it's like, oh, my God, next year is going to be a beautiful year to be on the left. It seriously is going to be a beautiful year. Um uh, and the Republican Party is going to uh, go down there than a 91-degree drop on a really good roller coaster. Uh, <laughs> and those things go from zero to 80 really fast. So. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Well, I mean, because I keep thinking, you know, because I'm always looking for whatever angle might be available to – because right. I do try to look at the worst-case scenario because – Yes, am I a nervous person, Sal? You've known right. me over a dozen years now. You know I'm a nervous person. This is not new. Um, but the fact of the matter is is that I keep thinking, Ron DeSantis is such a fucking disaster. I can't even begin with the repressive uh, laws that are being passed places to restrict books and people and all oh, kinds yeah. of crazy shit. Oh, yeah. What the hell, Florida? Are you guys going to save yourself? What is happening? I think, I don't know, maybe it's being America's flaccid penis is finally getting to them. I have no idea. But, you know, 
the thing is, is that Ron DeSantis is the classic example of somebody who is, okay, um, you know the old teen movie trope from the 80s where you have somebody who is desperately trying to make themselves appealing to someone who doesn't even know they exist, whereas the person who loves them dearly is looking from the sidelines and wishing, why don't they know I'm here? That's what Ron DeSantis is doing in trying to court the maggot face. He's going after Donald Trump's people by being more Donald Trump than Donald Trump, but he's not. He doesn't have the charisma. He doesn't have the ability to bullshit. He sounds really, really whiny when he's trying to sound tough. And the very things that he's doing are the very things that he's doing are the things that make, look, I know I've said before that most of the people who call themselves independent are really Republicans, but there's something about the Republican Party that makes them say they're independent. And for a lot of these independents, it's not the racism, it's not the policies favoring the rich. The things that they don't like is they tend to be the ones who think that the holy rollers are a little ridiculous and they don't like the way that Republican politicians bend over to kiss the ass of the evangelical nutjobs. And that's where a lot of your independents come from who lean right. You know, they're fine with racism, they're fine with discrimination in all forms, but they don't like it when they think the the preachers are too much in control. And everything DeSantis is doing from banning books to attacking trans kids, this is straight out of the religious right playbook. And it's the number one thing that are making the right-leaning independents go, yeah, no, not this guy. You know, the the right-leaning independents, they're thinking, yeah, maybe Tim Scott. You know, maybe Tim Scott, maybe, but not Ron DeSantis. Because, you know, the the type of right-leaning independents are the guys who thought that Donald Trump was a genius when he criticized the Dobbs decision with the Supreme Court. Because uh, Donald Trump, the one mm-hmm. smart thing Donald Trump said. He's like, don't get into the abortion thing. It's a losing thing for Republicans. And if you get what you want, yeah. uh, you know, it's going to be bad. Now, did he appoint these justices that did it? Sure he did, because he's a moron. Yep. But the thing, exactly. <laughs> but the thing exactly. is, is that a lot of these right-wing independents, they're the ones who are also like, they don't want to get rid of abortion because they are probably thinking their side chicks are, might need one someday, which is the very reason why Donald Trump never really wanted to get rid of abortion. Um, but the thing is, is everything yeah. that DeSantis is doing, six-week abortion ban, banning books, attacking trans kids, all this stuff, it's stuff that he's trying to appeal to the maggots but he's losing the right-leaning independence. And the MAGA base is only about 19 to 20% of the population. You can't win a nomination with that. Um, you've got to get those right-leaning independents who just want to leap on the bandwagon for the person they think is going to be a winner. And DeSantis has completely alienated these guys. He has a huge war chest, but all he's going to be able to do is fuck it up for everyone else. And he will. Because he's petty, vain, and shallow, so he will stay in as long as it takes for him to wreck the chances of everybody who's not him, and then he'll sit back and uh, vote for Donald Trump anyway. But uh, DeSantis is done. Uh, he's, he's, he's a complete train wreck. The savior of the Republican Party uh, is going to come down to Tim Scott, and not enough of them are going to vote for a black guy. They're literally, there is nobody. They have no bench. 
we used to say that the 2016 Republican field was a clown car. And these days the consultants yeah. are looking at that field and going, oh, those were the days. Because uh, <laughs> it's wow. And all of the deep ventures to enter into state races to try to win, to try to hold the House, the ones who have a mm-hmm. chance of winning aren't getting into it. They don't want to be on a ballot with Donald Trump. They're like, I'm not going 2024. I'll run in 2026. But, that, but they don't realize that it's going to be too late by then. I'm, I'm predicting right. that the Democrats are going to take the House in, next year. They're going to keep the presidency. They're going to expand their majority in the Senate. Um, because Donald Trump is going to drag his entire ticket down with him, and once the dem- and the and the first thing the Democrats and the Senate are going to do is nuke the filibuster, and from that point on, Joe Manchin is going to be uh, irrelevant. Kristen Cinema isn't going to be yeah. in the Senate anymore because she's going to get turfed out. She went. She left the Democratic Party. She's going to lose to a Democrat this time. Uh, she's less popular than the Republicans who everybody said had no chance. Uh, so um, we're not going to have to worry about yeah. these blue dogs and these assholes. I mean, you know, you talk about start of business, January uh, 2025, and we're going to see yeah. the death of the filibuster and actual majority legislation pass through. So by 2026, ain't nobody going to want to go back to – and let me tell you, Lauren Boebert and Marjorie Taylor Greene are probably going to stay in the House so they can keep being the really? reminder of what we left behind. Um, literally, if I, were writing, if I were writing the conclusion to a saga called the Republicans, I would think that I'm being a little too harsh with how hard they're failing. I feel like I'm George R.R. R. Martin in the entire party, but they're really doing it to themselves. And it's so much fun. Right. <laughs> well, I heard that that Pence is is, is in. Um, I'm sure Ted Cruz is going to. Well, yeah, no, Pence. I know. I know. I love it. I love it. All the establishment people are going to say Mike Pence, and oh my God, that's going to be fucking hilarious. That's just so funny. That's just oh, I love it. I love it. Please, please, Ted Cruz, run again. Please, Ted, please, run again. I find it so absurd. (laughs) See, I find it so absurd. After these guys lost as badly as they did running themselves, do they really think, first of all, if if you're a Republican, you have to believe to a certain extent whether or not it's based in reality, but you have to believe to a certain extent that Trump will be a viable candidate, right? <laughs> viable candidate. No viable candidate will get into this race. They don't want to get destroyed by Donald Trump. Because oh, Donald God. Trump has figured out the id of the Republican Party, and he's completely in control of the party. It's his party. There's no use in pretending. And anybody who could have been a serious viable candidates, they've just got to wait and try to maneuver to be part of the next party to replace the Republican Party because nobody who's viable will survive a primary. So anybody who could win in the general isn't going to survive a primary, and that's the epitaph of the Republican Party. 
So. Wow. Yeah. Because it, it's bad. I mean, you have no idea how bad it is in their circles. It really must be because, quite frankly, as badly as they lost to Trump the first time they ran against him, I don't understand how they think they, unless they don't believe that he has any ability at all and that he's way too damaged. But I don't see that right, hard right wing feeling that way. How do you kiss somebody's ass and want to destroy them at the same time is what this seems to be an exercise in once again. See, the problem is is that you've got a bunch of people in the Republican Party who are waiting for one of two things to happen. They're waiting for Trump to die because they know the guy's not very uh, healthy. Uh, Or they're waiting for him to get imprisoned. But the thing is, is that just because he goes to jail, unless he gets convicted of seditious conspiracy, and oh boy, do I think those charges are coming, but unless they convict him of that before the election, he could be convicted of murder and he could still technically run according to the law. The only people who can't run for a public office according to the federal constitution are people who have been found guilty of trying to overthrow said government. That's it. So if these people are thinking, we're going to wait until someone puts him in jail and then we'll be positioned to move in, no, because his maggot base is basically Trump's going to say, vote for me, and when I win, I'm going to pardon myself and everybody else who has been convicted of a federal crime in the last four years. And his maggots are going to fucking swallow it because they're inbred morons who see a sign that says wet floor so they pee their pants. And so their hope, the other Republicans hoping that a jail term is going to take him down, I don't think it's going to happen before the election because do I think Jack Smith is going to charge Donald Trump with seditious conspiracy? Oh, yes, I do. But do I think he's going to bring that case before November of next year? I don't think it's going to happen that fast. I think he could prosecute him on the the, uh, classified documents, but the seditious conspiracy yeah. case, I think they're going to wait until all the other seditious conspiracy cases are done being tried, and that's not going to be until January of next year. To bring a fresh case against the new kingpin and to have it ready to go in 10 months, these are big cases. They take a lot of work. It takes at least a year. So, you know, he could very well be serving a sentence in a federal prison for Espionage Act violations and still stay on the ballot. So these Republicans who are hoping that uh, jail is going to save their party from Trump, they're whistling past the graveyard, and they don't know that their grave's already been dug. (laughs) See, but here's, here's the thing about that. And I can't believe we're actually at this point in this country where we're entertaining the idea that somebody who has been found guilty of a number of crimes, which he will be, in addition to what he's already been found guilty of. Um, I can't believe we're at the point in this country where people are willing to entertain that as a viable candidate for presidency. I I don't get how we sank to this point. And it just brings me back to the, the thought that I had years ago when I realized that this country is held together on a 
couple of gentlemen shaking hands and some popsicle sticks. It's really not clearly defined, and I really think we need to define it, don't we? Well, that's the thing. It's like, you know, it, it's, I mean, they, the, the, the end result is that we had, okay, we had for a long time a tendency in this country to not call out obvious bullshit because people wanted to keep the peace. And this is the number one thing right. that Gen Z is jettisoning, and I'm saying let it die a fucking death, good riddance to it. Um, the whole, oh, I could have said this and that to their outrageously stupid and bigoted statement, but I didn't want to cause the trouble. And the thing is, is that for so long conservatism in this country, for the past 70 years at least, the conservative movement has been defined as a racist, anti-democratic movement. That's what it's been at its core. But it dressed itself up in respectability. It dressed itself up in going through the motions. And it kept promising, you know, Americans' worst-based tendencies. It kept promising to give in to them, but never delivering. Donald Trump came out and told a whole bunch of people who were afraid of the future and afraid of change, hey, I'm going to stop all of this stuff from happening. I'm going to make it like it was when you were younger. Just trust me. And people didn't care if he was lying. They wanted the reassuring lie over the inconvenient truth. And once he gave them license to come out of the closet as bigots, they're never going to go back in. There's a certain segment of this country that spent a good chunk of their life not saying the quiet part out loud, and now they're saying it out loud, and that's what's most important to them. They don't even care about winning anymore. For most of these people, look, mm-hmm. most of your conservative Republicans are evangelical Christians. Who has a bigger persecution complex in our country than evangelical Christians? I mean, they're constantly talking oh, about being the embattled minority when Christians have been running the game in this country since it, since it was founded by a bunch of white slaveholders. So, you know, it's like, I mean, you know, the entire conservative movement has been based on the idea of being the minority speaking truth to power and all that stuff. You know, there's a a tag group that I'm on on Facebook that's like, if I'm not being oppressed, my conservative life is completely meaningless. And you put that, tag that in articles where it fits. It's kind of fun. Um, But it's the truth. And so, you know, they don't really care about winning anymore. They care about the noble law because they are able to embrace all of their hatred, and they don't want to stop. And so they'll keep backing Donald Trump because he tells them it's okay to be an asshole. And uh, for some people, that's too much to pass up. Wow. So true. Holy shit, It's so true. I, I, I want to give people uh, something that they need to go check out. There's a book. Uh, by Max Booth called The Corrosion of Conservatism, Why I Left the Right. And Max Booth was a guy who used to be the head of the National Review. He was the head of big think tanks. He was instrumental in putting on CPAC, the uh, Conservative Political Action Conference, for years. I mean, this guy was a mover and the shaker in the Republican Party. But he left not just the Republican Party, he left the entire conservative movement after Donald Trump won uh, in 2016. 
because at that point, oh. everything that he had been told about conservatism, he saw had been a lie. He's like, oh, we would never embrace outright Klan-style neo-Nazi racism, and they did for Donald Trump. We're not going to embrace this or that. Right. For, they did for Donald Trump. And he broke down in his book, The Corrosion of Conservatism, and he just breaks down saying, listen, guys, I know we used to say this, but it wasn't true. The reality was it was all about racism and all about greed. And the book is incredible. It's somebody who used to be, you know, high on my villain list back during the Bush years when this guy was a really powerful guy in the right. But he got spun out of the entire thing by Donald Trump. And if you want to see, you know, these are the people who have left the Republican Party. For anybody out there who thinks maybe the party will rescue itself, these people have already left. Max Boot is gone. George Will resigned. Joe Scarborough uh, resigned the Republican Party even before the general election in 2016. As soon as Donald Trump got the nomination, he resigned the next day. These are the people who could have been the Bob Dole conservatives, but they left because they saw what their party wanted, and what their party wanted was no longer what they could represent. So, you know... I hope Republicans who are working in Washington are enjoying having the House majority because it's the last majority they are ever going to have and until the entire country realigns. And I don't think – I think the rest of the story of the 2020s is going to be the complete collapse of the Republican Party, dominance by the Democratic Party, and then probably somewhere around uh, the 2032 to 2036 election will be seen a new viable opposition party to the Democrats, probably made up of uh, moderate Democrats and moderate old school Republicans who kind of come out from out of their caves after a decade and say, is it safe yet? Um, But serious, it's, you know, we're, we're watching Endgame here. You know, it's like we're watching... Where, you know, the Nostradamus' prophecies are coming true, only instead of the collapse of the Western world, it's the collapse of the Republican Party. <laughs> and Donald Trump is their antichrist. And they all wore his symbol on their foreheads. So. <laughs> oh, my gosh. That's just too much. I, I mean, I'm calmer about it because I see how much bullshit there is. And, you know, it's kind of like, you have a knee-jerk reaction to believing the bullshit you hear. And a lot of the news that we get fed is bullshit, too, I feel. Um, oh, creating, yeah. You know, and you and I have talked about that fact. And to finally be at a point where, do I still get nervous? Yeah, of course I do. I care about our country, as many of you do. Um, but I, I'm, I'm trying very hard, especially after experiences I've had over the last year and a half to years, that there are some things that are more important than worrying about fucking Donald Trump, and that's, you know, self-care, as you had talked about during the last election yeah. cycle, and how important it is that we look after ourselves so that we do continue to have the strength to fight when the fighting is needed. And it is going to be needed again. We can't, I mean, the information you've given over this last hour has been fantastic. But I don't want folks to get complacent again because I feel no. like 2016 was an area of such complacency 
where we thought we had everything in the bag and we really fucking didn't. So I want to encourage folks to still stay engaged and active and that we, we cannot take any chances. And it's important for everyone to really make sure that they do stay engaged. Correct? Well, and, and let, me say, let me say one thing, important thing here too, is that I'm here to tell you, you, you don't want to get complacent, but you don't have to watch what's coming out of Washington every day. Detach yourself from that. Right. But let me tell you something. Our friends in the LGBTQIA community are in a fight for their mm-hmm. life right now. They're under direct assault yes. in multiple areas of yes. this country. And, you know, yes. a lot of us can have the ability to say, I'm going to sit back and wait until January 2025 when things get better. But for a lot of these folks, uh, they may not be here by the time January 2025 rolls around. So if you want to keep your activism sharp, if you want to crusade, then let's go into political battle on behalf of our friends in the rainbow community because they are under direct assault and it's time to put away the rainbow and pick up a couple of bricks. So if you want to crusade, let's crusade for our friends in the queer community and uh, the LGBTQIA, however you want to refer it, you know, you want to keep yourself sharp. There's some battles to be fought over the next year on this front. And let's dive into there. Don't get so distracted by Ron DeSantis' presidential campaign that you take the heat off of the very real terrors that Ron DeSantis is visiting in Florida. So, you know, if you want to keep sharp, shift your focus. You know, you don't have to drop it. But, again, don't fall for the clickbait and the horse race bullshit headlines. The traditional media is going to try to make the next presidential campaign a contest because they need to for their ratings. They're all for profit these days. The days of TV news being a nonprofit part that was for prestige, those are gone. So don't worry about the horse race. Worry about the human race. Wow. Well said, my friend. Well said. And in the few minutes we have left, tell folks again where they can catch up with you and your writing until right. we come back together next month. So get everybody uh, resituated on where they can find you and get your writings and what's coming up. Yes, you can find my Callison Govannon author page on, uh, on Facebook. I put stuff out on there all the time. I put out lots of funny, fun stuff. I also have my Twitter at Talison underscore G. I'm Talison Govannon on TikTok. Now, I will say, on my TikTok, it's all roller coaster stuff because, of course, you know that's my other big hobby these days is roller coasters. And let me tell you something. You know, keep an eye out um, on my TikTok, uh, on my Twitter, and on my author page on Facebook. I'm going to occasionally let folks know when I'm going to be at a park. So if anybody wants to come up to Cedar Point and ride Steel Vengeance in the back row with me. Uh, you know, we'll, we'll be out for a bunch this summer. If you see me, come up and say hi. Uh, and, uh, you know, if you want to ride Steel Vengeance, you can. If you want to sit on the ground and take a picture of me on the ride, I'll take that too. But, <laughs> but uh, yeah, and also keep an eye out on Kindle Bella for Welcome to Paranormal Lakers. Uh, most likely will be debuted before Starwood. Uh, so, uh Keep your keep your uh, your eyes out for that too. That's awesome. Uh, congratulations on everything. Thank you as always for being a force for good. 
and encouragement and to keep us on our toes, quite frankly, because we need to be. Um, I certainly, uh, it's not that I I actually have the opposite problem. It's not about complacency. For me, it's over-involvement, over-concern, over-fear. And neither thing is good. Neither thing is healthy for any of us. So, again, my friend, I appreciate you, and thank you for continuing to speak power and for showing us um, there's always hope to get it right and to fix it and we are still digging out from Trump and that that is going to continue for quite some time so we do have to stay vigilant but again Talison thank you so much for another great hour with you always enjoyable I always look forward to it I, I'm glad we're back on on track and on schedule thank you again my friend And thank you, everybody out. Thank you for having me on. Thank you guys out there for listening. I will catch you guys next time. Same bat time, same bat channel. Allison out. Right. All right, guys. I will be back next week with Dorothy Morrison. Yes, she's coming back. And also Storm Sestivani. Yes. So it's going to be a fantastic hour can't wait for it. Talk to you then. Hope you guys have an amazing, amazing weekend. Take care, everyone.